Welcome to this week's Real Estate of Life with Kevin Riles. This is your boy, Kevin Riles. Hey, this is part two this week of the Real Estate Investment Club presentation that I did. I talk a lot about uh, what's going on in the Houston real estate market. So sit back and enjoy, and I hope you like the show. DJ, hit that music, please. Support for this program comes from the Digital Broadcasting Network, presenting podcasts and web series from everyday people who have an extraordinary passion to make the world a better place. You know, people always ask me what I would buy right now if I had, you know, if I won the, the gazillion dollar lottery. Uh, and I would have a diverse portfolio. But what I have seen in, in, in this market, because I've just done a couple of leases uh, and sold a smaller one, um, from an income standpoint, industrial is rocking and rolling now. Uh, and I don't see that changing. It, 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 does, it, it does have a, a lot of... Um, the economy has a lot of effect on industrial and retail, so people you know, that are multifamily, former single-family guys are like, uh, I know somebody always needs a place to stay. Uh, but I will say that industrial right now is, is rocking and rolling, and um, those tenants tend to be like ticks. Once you get one, heavy equipment, stuff like that, they don't really uh, uh, go anywhere. Uh, so I don't know where that is, but that might be another use, uh, depending on where it is. Baytown, Eastside. So. Baytown, Eastside. So, Baytown is starved for affordable multifamily as well. Yeah, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a star for multi. So uh, the other thing that I do, uh, I list for four Chapter 7 bankruptcy trustees. I list for all their, all their commercial properties. Uh, in fact, I just got an assignment or a potential assignment in Baytown. Um, and uh, so I've sold pretty much, and that goes back to my HUD days. One trustee found out that I used to sell distressed property, and then I just got it. Uh, so a lot of the commercial stuff you see on my, not a lot, about 25% of it uh, is, is bankruptcy stuff. Um, and um, Baytown, uh, as my friend would say, on the cool, is, is a strong uh, affordable slash mid-level um, apartment market. Uh, if you can you know, develop or find something out there, they do well. Not, I don't know if you're getting quite a dollar a square foot rents, but if you can affordably develop, you can get it, you can get it pretty close. Um, uh, and then it's a strong industrial market uh, because all of those uh, folks are servicing uh, those plants out there. So that's something uh, to consider from a development standpoint. But to your to your question, um, you know, I, uh, a A class developer told me that they're developing at 120 a door, cost wise, but they're you know huge and travertine and you know gold dripping from the ceilings and. Stuff like that. So I don't know. The two duplexes I'm doing are um, basically 80. Uh, is that right? No. Yeah, 80 a unit, uh, and that's with a small independent builder. So I guess if you're building on scale, you could dry that down a little bit. But then you have all your pre-development stuff as well. So your detention, your um, civil engineering, uh, which is part of the detention, uh, your concrete and things of that nature. So uh, I'm not educated enough on those costs to. To, to, to say, but if you can do it affordably, I think that's a strong sub-market for multifamily. I just bought an office condo, so I, I literally just moved in last week, uh, and I've sold them over the years, but I just bought one. I love it as a small business owner, but what I've learned is the appreciation rate on them, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's um, the lack of education in the Houston market on what a, Houston, what a, a office condo is, I just would be careful on office condo. Uh, if I, it says four acres, to me, I might replant that and try to 
you know, do some storage in the back and do some stuff at the front and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's what your, your throughput uh, is. At the most, or a duplex with a garage apartment, um, or something of that nature. You, yes, I, my plan is because uh, during the the. the you know, my, my true story, and I, I'm, I'm very transparent on my podcast as well. I sold off everything in 08, 09 because I, I needed to to survive, uh, basically. And so other than land, uh, I'm actually investment property nil now. Uh, and so uh, I'm just getting back into the market. But from my purview, um, development of small multifamily is the best investment. Uh, now, again, I have land that's appreciated significantly, so I have what I consider investment property is just not producing income uh, and the taxes haven't caught up with me yet. <laughs> so, uh, so I plan to use that land for development purposes uh, and do small uh, multifamily on it. Uh, but it's ironic, I've told so many people that I'm doing that, you'd be surprised. Um, in fact, there in, in South Park, Sunnyside right now, there's a guy building duplexes side by side, one story, uh, and all of them are under contract to be sold. They rented them out for $1,350 each, so $2,600. And he's selling them for two. He listed them for two forty-five. So he's leaving a little bit of meat on the bone, like maybe the gristle, uh, but you know, for a potential investor. But so every time I tell somebody I'm doing that, like, oh, are you going to sell them? Uh, and so I know that there is a flip market out there as well. So if you think about um, even my numbers, because I was just doing them today, um, uh, I'm, I own the lots outright, but my lots are thirty-five thousand. My bill costs are like one seventy. So in them for 200 and they're selling for two, let's just say 250. Uh, um, I could probably get my bill costs down a little bit, but this is a friend of mine and I, I want him to get experience so we can grow together. Um, but you know, he's, that guy, when the, what he's building side by side, he's probably in those things for like 150, 160 and he's selling for 240. So, you know, if I told y'all that was a wholesale deal out there where I'm doing, giving, you know, 150 and selling it for 240, I think you would, I would have a line. So uh, to me, um, even if you didn't want to buy and hold, um, build and flip or build and sell is um, another. And then on the single family affordable development side too, um, not everybody's a homeowner. So if you can build 322, 1,400 square feet, and most of the quotes I've gotten are like 120 is the highest I've heard from a builder, uh, but you can lease that out now for 1,500, I don't, I mean, if you do the numbers, your cash on cash is, is double, double digits. Uh, and, um, uh, and so I, I think we tend to kind of look only at, let me retrade what's already there, let me renovate it. Cause I mean, it's exciting and HGTV is real popular right now, but, but um, you know, it, people don't, what I found in this group, when I say this group, I mean holistically, we don't like to wait. And we assume that the construction process is gonna be uh, the construction actually doesn't take that long. It's the permitting that takes uh, long. But if you can have patient money, I think that's, I honestly think that that's the next, that's better now than, than finding existing. Because even in the single family market, because I have friends that are do both, uh, it's hard to find deals now, right? Because people are, the demand is up, right? So 
Um, I just think that con new construction um, from an affordable standpoint is a good, if you can have, a, if you can have patient money, if you can have patient money. So um, I brought, um, uh, and I think I, when I copied it, it kind of got messed up. So this is a listing that I currently have. Uh, and it is, I don't know if I do it exactly a case study, but um, this is the Las Villas Apartments. Uh, it's on Broadway, which is the main, main street through Galveston. When you come over the causeway, the causeway delivers you onto Broadway. Uh, and uh, the way Galveston goes is um, the closer you get to a single digit address, the closer you get to the water on Broadway. So if this was 5701, you're closer to the causeway. 1101, I'm 10 blocks basically from uh, Stewart Beach. So just, and that's on every street going north and south. Just a little Galveston tidbit for you. So um, this is three blocks from the, the beach uh, uh, going uh, east and west, and it's 10 blocks uh, going uh, north and south. Um, currently listed at uh, 995, it's 16 units, 14 two-bedrooms, um, two two-bedrooms, two one-bedrooms, I should say. Uh, it is uh, a, uh, what I call a value-add with in-place cap of uh, 7.8. I had an investor the other day debate me. She said it was 7.7. Uh, and so I was like, okay, I, I'll give you the 0.01% based on her numbers. Uh, they are negotiable just from us, because uh, I'm a broker, I'm a sale. So uh, they are negotiable uh, up to a point. What they have done is they have taken, I think, the biggest expense uh, uh, off of this, which is uh, when they purchased it, the roof was in really bad shape and it's a flat roof. So, uh, and the owner had actually, quote unquote, redone the roof, but he literally had done it. Like he had done it. He hired some workers and they did it. And so um, they were unable to get insurance based on his work. So they redid the roof uh, uh, with a professional, uh, well-respected uh, roofing company uh, and, um, uh, and were able to get the WP1, the WP2, and the WP8. Uh, and so in Galveston County, specifically in, in most of Brazoria County, you will need, if you've done deals out there, WP8 to WPIA, which is the windstorm certificate, meaning that the roof is, is weighted for, and that's on single family to commercial, uh, meaning that the, um, uh, that the roof has been rated by the, uh, an inspector uh, to withstand uh, windstorms uh, uh, at a certain level. Uh, and this was built in, oh, that's a really good question. You're gonna put me on the spot. It's 1985, 84, somewhere in there. So definitely C-Class and Condition-wise on the outside, is there still stuff that needs to be done? Absolutely. They've shored up uh, some of the stairwells. They've replaced some of the um, facial board. But if you walk the property, there's still opportunity to, to make it pop. The good thing about this is that eight, eight of the units, so out of the 16, eight of the units are on um, housing. So taking you back to Ike, I had a property uh, on the Strand. All of Galveston's public housing was destroyed in Hurricane Ike, which was 2008. Uh, and so they've never been able to replace it at the clip that they had it at. So I have a client that has 43 units down there and all of them uh, are on housing. And housing for two bedroom units is paying $1,100 a month. They're only charging 850. So even if you just took this and kept it like it was and, and charged the market rents for housing, you have $200 a month times eight units of income that they're just leaving on the table, right? Uh, so that's one. So that's automatic. Again, talking about value add without having to do anything physical. Of course, you'd have some rent turnover uh, as far as tenant turnover. Uh, but if you made these market rents, 
If you made these market ready, like even just at a decent level, then your uh, rents are probably eleven to $1,200 a month. Uh, but again, that would cost uh, capital to do. So to, in my mind, this is a value-add property uh, that has significant, and I say 7.8 in, in, uh, in place before any negotiation and then before you decide which, how you want to add value. I just sold a 10 unit um, uh, down the street uh, uh, on 8th um, on on, on, uh, 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 Street uh, that uh, is right on the seawall and those guys out of Austin bought it, renovated it, and they turned it into an Airbnb hotel. Uh, and they're, but even before that, these were efficiencies, but they were upgraded efficiencies. Uh, you know, he was getting uh, almost $2 a square foot, but they were really, really uh, small. So it depends on how you would want to do this. Uh, but as a case study, this is an example I wanted to show of where you could buy it as is and create additional income without having to do, quote unquote, any work. And when I say work, I mean like physical work. Um, now I would, because you know, if you look at the picture of the inter inside of the units, um, you know, and that's indicative of, of their condition, um, you know, they all need to be cleaned out, the grout is kind of dirty, and you know, just, it's just stuff that I, that I would want to do as, as uh, over time. But with that being said, I could do that while making money, and that's the difference. Uh, it's not like I'm, um, I have a vacant, like 50% vacancy and I'm trying to hurry up and finish everything. Uh, if you look at the uh, uh, actuals versus pro forma, and I think that got uh, kind of put to the back uh, there, um, you will see that those are actual actuals. Those are not, if uh, the sun rises up and Jesus comes tomorrow, those, no, those are not those type of actuals. All right, those are my pro forma, no, I'm, I'm just joking. Uh, so uh, you see uh, that um, you have a, um, that's where I calculate my cap. Uh, but um, they don't use property management, right? So in the actual, you see I have a zero there. So I'm one of those brokers, you know, if y'all ever see my stuff, I'm going I'm to be honest. Because <laughs> in, this, in this business, I, I learned you only have, have one name and one rep reputation. And I don't want you ever to say, oh, man, he gave us some, some crazy numbers. Uh, and we based our decision off of that, and we found out all this other stuff. So I'm going to base the numbers based off what the seller gives me. Uh, but they don't use property management. And that's one of the reasons they want to sell, actually, because they live in Houston and they're trying to manage from Houston. And I just don't think that that's the most awesomest thing in the world, having owned property in Galveston myself. Uh, so uh, if you look at their numbers, um, um, those are truly their numbers. Now, what I did on the pro forma side, and the pro forma, just so you guys know, uh, is um, uh, estimates based on assumptions. Uh, I added uh, a property management fee. Now, I only added a 5% property management fee because you should never on a property of this size pay 10% in property management. So multifamily is different than single family and a lot of people don't know that and they get in charge 10%. Your, your fee should be anywhere from 5 to 7% or maybe 8 uh, you know, on a, on a, if it's a high intensity property. Um, and so I used kind of, I extrapolated and increased some of their numbers. I did go down on the building insurance. Um, their particular lender required them to get flood insurance on each individual building in windstorm on each individual building. It was an out-of-state lender. They weren't familiar with our market. So they're paying, you're going to pay higher insurance costs in Galveston regardless, but they're paying to me exorbitantly uh, more than they should be. So I made an assumption based on just deal trades that that would go down. Uh, but otherwise, I kind of used most of their uh, uh, current numbers. And at, uh, uh, at that, that 7.8 is in place, uh, but that would increase you uh, almost to a 10% a, a 
uh, our double-digit uh, cap rate. This is just two pages of a 14-page document, uh, but I thought this would, so from a case study standpoint, I guess if I was teaching a case study, I would be really showing you how you can value add, going back to my earlier point, without having to do anything quote unquote physical other than say, okay, over the next 18 months, and by the way, these leases are month to month. Uh, so, uh, but most of these folks have been there for, there's such a dearth of, uh, um, uh, of affordable, and I'll say lack of affordable, you will, you'll be surprised what leases out in Galveston as far as, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is considered decent. They need to do some work with the grounds. There's some rotted facial board, needs a paint job. And so I'm, again, I'm a broker that's honest. Uh, but even with all that, this is 100%, oh, actually they had one vacancy, got moved out last week, but they're already, they have a waiting list. And, and it's a, you know, so I, I say all that to say, this on a five-year exit, to me is a great opportunity. Of course, am I biased? Yes, because I'm selling it. Uh, but I would be telling you that uh, even if I was looking at the numbers uh, uh, natively. Uh, so uh, from a case study standpoint, again, this is just a kind of a way uh, to, um, to look at a deal where you can create value add without necessarily having to do anything. Just the flood zone in this one. It's every, all of Galveston is flood zone. So that's flood too. Well, I, I say all of Galveston, well, but a majority of it. Okay. By the seawall. So Galveston is that's a good that's a good point. So let, let me be let me be correct. I always tell people if you're in Galveston, just assume it's in a flood zone. But Galveston is made like a bowl, a tilted bowl. So this is the seawall. This is actually the highest point of the island towards the back of Galveston. So where this property is going, and the seawall pr uh, protects. And then the strand is at the is at the end. So Galveston's kind of made like that, and then it kind of does this towards the causeway, right? So depending on where you are um, further down. So I have a personal property that's at uh, uh, 5721, 57th block, which is closer to the causeway. We're in a flood zone. We're in the lowest part of the island. Uh, so um, I have to, to uh, get uh, flood insurance at a significant level because pretty much if it floods, our property is, is flooded. Um, I had a property on, on Strand, 1408 Strand, 14 block in, in Strand, uh, rocking and rolling right across from UTMB. I had furnished it. I was doing Airbnb before Airbnb was even a thing. Um, students, then Ike came. The property sat three feet off the ground and had high ceilings of 17 feet. So 20 feet to the, before you hit something, right? It's two-story property. When I got back, when they allowed us back on the island, I had a water line at 17 feet. So that means the water was 20 feet so because on that side where the ships come in, there is no protection. So that rose, and I had a fish uh, in my wrought iron that had gotten stuck like a net that was dead. And the island smelled like the end of the world. I'll never forget that smell. Uh, so, uh, so yes, you're right. If you're closer to the, um, the uh, seawall, exactly. But this isn't a flood zone, but the elevation allows for it not to be in the bowl where I am. Honestly, I just used their number. They put they had a maintenance and man, management uh, bucket, um, and um, it's kind of their whole handyman uh, bucket, I think. Uh, and so I just extract. I'm usually real conservative when I do my performers because I don't like when I get performers and people say, "Oh, if the moon 
and you know this and if you if you lived on the property you know then you could do all this other stuff that's unrealistic to me so you probably could I probably could take some stuff off of this performer the only the only global utility they're paying is water uh, and, and I'm sorry and gas um, um, but the tenants pay their own electrical for older multifamily, yeah. But some people will put in a rub system, and a rubs is basically doing your, if you're familiar with commercial investment, rubs is, is the apartment version of triple net charges. So they basically give your pro rata share of, uh, of usage. Now some people will do a sub-metering system where they will literally put a meter on your, on your gas, or on your water, going, or your electric going into your unit, but that's expensive uh, to do. And you have to have access enough to get to be able to do that. So most people try to, and I'm not a rubs expert. There are people out there that are like PhDs in rubs where you bring them in and they tell you how to do it. Uh, but essentially, it, it, it averages out and, and they get a separate bill for that. And that's another, again, value add mechanism in which you could uh, do that uh, and derive additional income because now you're not bearing that cost. If you looked at this and said, I could rub out, you know, the what, $15,000 in utility costs, that's, a, that's 15, assuming your collections are 100%, that's 15 thousand dollars you just added to your NOI so and, and I, I haven't I've been evangelizing this whole other look at value-add on the phone but it's the first time I've been able to say it globally uh, that you know in this market and just remember if you do that and then the market improves on top of that then now you're you know doubling up your opportunity to be able to uh, to create it so um, well guys uh, I'm looking at the time here and I've gone over uh, the one o'clock uh, so I want to thank uh, Belinda for inviting me. Uh, and um, uh, if you have questions, I, I, I did put my capability statement and resume just so y'all know I was a real dude uh, uh, in the uh, uh, the end there. Uh, uh, it's kind of some of the things that we've done in, in the clients we work with. And I say we. Uh, I'm a small shop, uh, so it's me. Uh, my wife works with me uh, as well. I have a buyer's agent, and then I have a virtual assistant. Uh, as well. So I used to have 22 agents and four staff people and it's very stressful. It's like having 22 kids. Uh, so uh, in my 40s I've determined how I like to work. I do very well. I'm very strong on, um, on um, because of my technology background on uh, online as far as advertising. And then I do do a, uh, man that's a good looking dude right there, but uh, uh, I do do a um, weekly podcast. It's called The Real Estate of Life. Uh, and so I call it that because I speak about real estate most of the time, I'll say 90% of the time, but I do some motivational speaking, so every once in a while I want to motivate you guys to do something. So that's the life part. Uh, last week's um, uh, uh, subject uh, was the seven commercial real estate terms you need to know. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, I sat down with, uh, with Nancy Sarnoff, the Houston Chronicle real estate writer, had a two-part uh, with her. I've talked to Daryl Dyke. Uh, noble investment mortgage. Um, I've had a couple of attorneys in there talking about how to do syndications, things of that nature. So uh, I've gotten really good feedback. It's available on iTunes, uh, Google Play, uh, the whole nine. And um, from an advertising standpoint, you know, uh, when you stand in front of a room or you get on a mic, people think you actually know what you're talking about. But I actually do. Uh, uh, so it's a good, uh, good brand awareness uh, for us. So any questions? Because I think I had, was it 12 to 1:30 ish? Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, typically, most banks, you know, 
So back in 1875, no, I'm just yeah. Um, no, so average LTV on most multifamily, I always tell people to do your numbers based off of 75% LTV or 25% down. Uh, Freddie Mac does have a, a small balance program um, that uh, with a minimum loan amount of a million dollars that allows 20% down. Uh, and um, the, is, from a fee standpoint, it's not as costly as their capital markets uh, product, which basically means that they're using Wall Street money to, to finance it. Uh, most community banks, are 25% down if you have a really strong financial portfolio. Uh, it's 20% down. Um, most of the debt service requirements are for to translate, you know, your debt to income ratio for the property, like 1.25, you know, somewhere in there. Um, um, what else? There are a lot of banks that say they do multifamily, but but not really. And what I mean by that is is there are larger banks that. Their under, this is their underwriting box, right? They want you to be directly in the middle of the underwriting box, and if anything that pushes you to the left, to the up, to the down, to the side, it throws them, th throws off. So there is a large bank, very large bank, national bank, that I've closed deals on over the years that they will say, oh yeah, what's your name? Siva. Siva, 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 20% down, no problem. Okay, cool, we're getting ready to close next week. Oh, Siva, look, you know, you were born on a Tuesday, we didn't know that. Uh, when we started, so now it's twenty, it's thirty percent down, literally as you're getting ready to close. Now, but luckily, both of those two investors had money uh, to do that. So I'm a huge proponent of local community banks, uh, specifically like in in Galveston. You need a, to understand the Galveston market. So hometown Bank of Alvin, done deals with them in Galveston County. Um, Moody, um, done deals with them in, in Galveston County. And I'm not professing any bank, but I think you need to like really research, what, have you really done multifamily? And if you have, are, do I need to be born on a Tuesday left-handed, you know, like is there any special requirements I need, uh, need to know? Uh, because again, commercial lending is more wild, wild west. You can negotiate covenants and things of that nature uh, with smaller with smaller banks. Does that answer your question? Yes. yes. What about So I've fallen in love with triple net investing because once you get a tenant, you know, oh, you had a bad month? Mm, sorry, can you get out of my rent, please? Uh, you know, like, so it's like nothing uh, uh, there. So um, to answer your question, though, um, CBC retail, which is a little bit more difficult, kind of these suburban 10,000, 12,000 foot centers, um, seven and a half cap plus or minus, if I had to give you a, a, a range. Um, if it has a national credit tenant, that drives the cap rate down uh, because it's a uh, uh, it's a better tenant. Uh, if you but I've seen also some nine and a halves and tens out there uh, as well. Um, uh, I'm a real big proponent in the deals that I've done uh, of what I call um, food strip centers, where you have the subway, the mom and pop burger joint, and you know some some maybe local franchises. I like those, just uh, and, uh, an investor actually was looking for those and, and got really familiar with them. But yeah, there are opportunities out there. Just remember though, if you're switching from um, residential or apartment investing to, um, to retail investing or even industrial, that your tenant acquisition timing is just totally different. You know, a, a space can sit for a year 
um, and not be uh, occupied, even with the best marketing efforts. So, and it's definitely a lot more attuned to what the economy's doing. Um, but uh, I think the ones in these suburban markets, either older suburban markets like you know Copperfield and, and kind of that way, or I live in Missouri City and Center Plantation, those are A-class because they're brand spanking new, but some of the, um, the developments like new territory and things of that nature on the south side, I'm trying to think of a north side example, that were, were the new thing 10 years ago or 15 years ago, some of those are starting to retrade or not. But, but I like triple net, just as a general, I like triple net investing. I don't know if that's answering your, your question. So. Do, do they exist or are? Um, if you have a, yeah, if you can, I mean, I've seen like 50% and, and 30% uh, lease rates. I think you have to go in with the mindset of how you're going to reposition it. Is it going to become the food uh, retail center or is it going to become the medical? I've seen people reposition them with medical doctors and like, podiatrists and things. So your marketing team would have to, you know, a broker would have to say, okay, how are we going to reposition it? What's the best way to reposition this? Let's try to make it X. Uh, I've seen people fill them up with churches, um, you know, uh, and Lion Lovers don't particularly like churches, but uh, uh, so it depends on how you reposition them. But are there, are there ones out there? I'm sure they are. I haven't looked, but I'm sure they are. Yeah. Any other questions? What's your, your thought process now? Um, I think they're, I'm not, a, well, let me, let me state with the, I'm not an expert on opportunity zones, um, but um, they are the new fad. People are doing seminars on them, uh, charging folks. Uh, I, I'm a CCA, I have a CCIM designation, which is kind of like the, professional engineer, commercial real estate. Our last uh, monthly meeting was on uh, Opportunity Zones. Um, if you use it as it, the way it works, um, uh, from a development standpoint, when you exit, you essentially have gotten a, a no-cost loan um, uh, on your uh, capital gain, because capital gain is usually up to like 23.8%. Uh, so essentially, you're escaping uh, that capital gain, or a majority of it, depending on how you do your taxes. So if you can find opportunity in there that's great. I will tell you that the, the, the dogs are out for the hunt already, and so that's driving even opportunity zone pricing different from what I've been told. Uh, so, but if you can find an opportunity within a, uh, a opportunity within an opportunity zone, at least from a paper standpoint, it's awesome. It's really, really I'm getting national calls from, hey, you know, where are the census tracks? Uh, I, I sit on tax reinvestment zone 25, which is Fort Bend. Hiram Clark, and so uh, we give money to developers or reimburse them uh, for doing stuff. And there, any part, you know, we have people come to our meetings now. It's any part of District K, uh, which is uh, uh, used to be Larry Green, now um, Martha's uh, in the Opportunity Zone. Uh, and unfortunately, no, uh, we don't. But there's District D, which is Third Ward, kind of Fifth Ward. There's parts of um, uh, Jerry's District, which is uh, Fifth Ward, going on. And then Jerry has some of the airport as well. Uh, so if you can do them and find an opportunity, I think it's awesome. To me, it's kind of like a, it's, again, this is real elementary, it's kind of like a, 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 a direct 1031 without having to do the exchange. It's kind of the same benefit. Instead of deferring the tax, you just basically don't pay the tax on a capital gain. So ten year, it's not a minimum 10-year hold, but it, to get the full benefit, you have to hold it for 10 years, as I understand it. Again, I'm, not a, I'm still learning it. Like it's different exit points, right? Exactly. It's seven, it's seven to ten. So again, I'm not, I'm talking theory, but I understand the theory enough to say if you do the full ten, then I think it's an opportunity, a great opportunity. 
uh, especially from a development standpoint. So, any other questions, concerns, comments? Um, it, dep it depends. Um, the the best I've seen somebody be able to do a 24, 30 units by them by themselves is that they're really not doing it by themselves. They have an in-house person that is. If you can get this one person in all these duties, like that's the maintenance person, the rent person, the show person, and all that kind of stuff. But usually, uh, in this particular case um, that I'm thinking of, she is the show unit person the collect rent person and the initial phone call person. Uh, and then she works with the owner to uh, dispatch uh, and she gets a rental credit for that and he pays her uh, a little bit as well. So to me, at a small unit, that's a, probably the best. Um, but do, are there people out there that do that, um, that, that are self-managing? Absolutely, but I think it quickly becomes a full-time uh, job uh, unless you have where you something you just renovated. But even then, just a whole collection of rents and things of that nature. So um, I think the, the best I've ever seen it done is you have an in-house person or persons. Uh, so I had one guy, he had kind of the administrative lady that he gave a little bit of rental credit to. And he had uh, a guy that was a handyman at an assisted living facility during the day. And then he handled his stuff at night on the weekends. And they gave them both a, a rental credit. I think you need help, I guess is what I would say. Yeah, so um, those things are cash cows if you can um, get an operator um, to, to do them. Um, my particular client, this was his second second location, and I, like I said, was a fee developer, so I helped him find the land. I basically did all, fee developer gets a fee instead of equity, uh, so um, uh, we did that for him. He didn't want to do that um, himself like he did the first time. And he is, he has, it's a three-phase project. The first phase is uh, 24 beds. Uh, he gets, he's a private pay facility, he is not, he doesn't take any government dollar. Uh, he charges $4,100 per month per bed, you can do that math. Uh, and his, his, his profit margin, if he wasn't eating out of it, doing the whole pay the, the car notes and stuff like that, is probably around 35% on that. And he's on the low end of private pay as far as, uh, and he's, he has a special niche and he handles what we call high acuity patients, which means that they have a feeding tube. A lot of the big guys, it's the two person assist to get up. A lot of the big companies, the more corporate companies in assisted living, they don't like um, uh, high labor patients. And so he specializes in that. Um, and so yes, I think it's an opportunity, but you have to know or get an operator that really knows how to get licensed and, and things of that nature. I've seen one guy do it had the wrong operator and the state wouldn't let them open because the width of their uh, hallways was six inches too short and they sat for a year. They had to, uh, had to uh, uh, bust down, like, like imagine this and this right here is six inches so just tearing all this out uh, uh, to do that. So you have to really have the right people with you. But as an investor, if you're looking at syndication deals and people are looking at that and you can get a good sense of, of who the operator is, 
um, and they have a good reputation, I, I, that's an awesome investment. And, and specifically in the 99%, most assisted living um, places, uh, when we did market research for him, are made for the top 1% income earners. So they're the seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve thousand dollar a month places. There's not a lot of places for the retired teacher, retired engineer, uh, where they're in that uh, right around the amount of money that you're probably getting for your annuity from Exxon or from Chevron. Uh, and there's a significant need at that point because most people don't need a nursing home, uh, which is which is a whole different classification. That that niche of the 99%. Uh, is, is, is significant. And I'm just fresh off those numbers, so. All right, guys, so if you um, want to get in touch with me, I think my, I know my email address is on there. I didn't bring, uh, I brought some cards, but not too many cards. Um, but kevinriles.com, kevinriles.com is my kind of speaker podcast site. And then our company website is Kevin Riles Commercial, if you want to see my other listings uh, out there. Um, uh, but if you want to sign up for my e-blast, I send out a weekly e-blast of every apartment complex for sale in the city of Houston, whether I list it or not. Uh, and the reason I do that is because a lot of people don't have full access to LoopNet and they can't get to the kind of nitty-gritty details. So I send it out as a service. Obviously, that causes my phone to ring because people get interested in stuff that's on the list and we offer buyer representation. Uh, and then I send out uh, all the multifamily properties in an aggregate format uh, on the MLS as, as well. So KevinRossCommercial.com Kev, is, is the company website. And then if you want to subscribe to my podcast, it's uh, KevinRiles.com. Actually, I think I have it on both. So if you go to one or the other, you can cross-pollinate. In fact, I can verify that. And how do we get on your email? Uh, send me an email. I'm sorry. Send me an email and say, Kevin, put me on that wonderful, awesome e-blast that you send out with all that good information. No, you don't have to say that. Just say e-blast. Yeah. Uh, both. Both. So um, my office, I'm the interim director for the Community Development Master's Program at Fairview. So my office is in the School of Architecture. Uh, and um, But when I teach classes now, we've slowly but surely moved the program to the Northwest Center. So last night I was at the Northwest Center because uh, I have a Wednesday class, and then our program is face-to-face uh, -face and online. So when I teach online classes, sometimes I'll teach them um, at, at main campus. But I go to main campus every Wednesday. Um, yeah, not 249 in Grant Road. Yep. The old Lone Star campus. PV needs housing. Uh, PV needs housing. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, you can get to uh, my podcast on the. This is my company site. Uh, I'm glad that works since I was in front of people. Uh, but <laughs> um, Waller County needs uh, housing. Uh, Prairie needs housing. Uh, they are significantly behind on housing. Uh, you just have to have the patience of Joe because um, the city of Prairie does not have a really good process, or a defined process of for a developer to follow. Um, if you saw some stuff in the news recently about some students having to stay in the gym at the beginning of the semester uh, because a place wasn't finished. And so Ruth, the president of Morehouse, I mean, Morehouse, I went to Morehouse, Prairie View uh, indicated that, hey, we're gonna let them stay in the gym, but that's not our development. It was an outside development, but they wanted to help the kids. 
And um, those guys had a lot of problems with the city of Prairie View because they just don't have the infrastructure to assist the developer like a city does. Like if you do a, the assisted living development with the city of Sugarland, like there's a whole process. You go in a pre-development meeting, this is what we're planning on doing. So the fire chief is there. All these folks are there to kind of say, hey, you want to think about this? We're going to be looking for this. So when you go back to your architect, you know how to, so it's, it's a much, city of view is like, oh, okay, call us when you, you know, like, it's just not a, so if you're going to develop, um, they need to, to, and they're working on it, uh, a development uh, process. But Walla County as a whole is, is starting to boom. That's going to be one of the um, possible stops in, that, in the bullet train uh, as well. So, um, and then you have that huge, um, I don't know how to say the name, uh, HVAC plant. Uh, Dyson? 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 Dyken. Thank you. It's like 500,000 square feet. It's like, or a million square feet, like a million square feet. It's huge. Huge, huge, huge. I mean, every time I pass by every Wednesday, I'm like, dang. You know, because I, I do industrial too. I do industrial tenor rep. I'm, Man, I would love to have done that lease. But uh, so. Uh, yeah, so, so they're touting that. And I went to the state of uh, Prairie View. I, my students put on state of Prairie View, and the, um, the economic development director um, was touting the fact that they're going to have the largest cricket um, complex in the nation. She said it's going to be in the world. She said world, I think, but she said, I know the nation. Yeah. And cricket, it's the number two play sport in the, in the, in the world. So, kind of that's so that's right down the street from, uh, from the university, as a matter of fact. So uh, I really do hope that brings some, uh, some retail development doesn't occur without rooftops or some other uh, economic base, uh, rooftops typically. Uh, and, you know, Waller County has been an agricultural county for, for years. Uh, so uh, I think it's opportunity, definitely, for uh, student housing. Just remember this. I always tell people when they're looking at Waller County, specifically Prairie View, do your numbers based on 10 months of income, not 12. Right? Students are only there really nine and a half months. A lot of people have lost their shirts in Waller County because they do their numbers on thinking they're going to get 12 months of this rent and they really only get 10 months of this rent. So, huh? Yeah, yes, absolutely, a absolutely, absolutely. Um, but at in, my, in my mind, at least around Morehouse, you possibly could get some locals because it's in Atlanta. You, Prairie View is students a bust. It's students a bust. Um, but you're right. You know, I think in, around any school, uh, you, should, you should do that. But to me, if you have like the backdrop of a major city, at least you could discount or do something or whatever the case may be with Prairie View, uh, uh, you know, uh, and then uh, A&M uh, as well. Um, I, but people tend to stay in it. College Station has really become a Austin-ish. Uh, so you, I think you can do 12 months worth of income when you're doing performance there because people do stay there year round uh, in College Station, so. You try to negotiate a better deal, uh, one. Um, yeah, I mean, you, if you're giving it to a bank, you're going to show them 12 months worth of numbers, but, uh, or you, you reconcile it with a higher vacancy rate when you're doing your pro formas instead of, so basically that's a 20 to 25% vacancy rate. Um, and, you know, again, you, you might be able to get, there are some students that do stay there for the summer or they'll go ahead and sign a year lease because they're having such a housing problem. Uh, that you, they want to make sure that they know they can have a place to stay. And so they do pay those two vacant months. But I, I think as the market catches up, you know, it's going to go back to normal, which is that you really need to do your numbers on 10, ten months. So, all right, guys. Thank you all so much. I appreciate it.
Hey, thanks for listening as always. Do you have questions about any of the topics I'm talking about? If you have questions, let me know. Email me at kevin at kevinriles.com. Again, that's kevin at kevinriles.com. I'm going to do a podcast just on the questions uh, that you guys are sending to me. So feel free to send them to me. Again, that's kevin at kevinriles.com. 